This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Regular listeners to this series will know that while no two missing persons cases are the same, there are similar themes. Young men who disappear after a night out. Women who vanish after a disagreement with a male partner people who have battled depression, and those who have found themselves involved in crime. But in today's episode, we're exploring something completely new. Take a look at the list of active cases on the Missing People website, and you'll find a number of Vietnamese nationals. They're mostly young, often children. And if you reach beneath the headlines, you'll find that many are in the UK alone, without friends or family to look out for them. So how have they become missing? Where have they gone? And what's being done to help them? It's a story which goes far deeper than you might expect, starting with human trafficking and organised crime and ending with the exploitation of many young men and women who often end up fearing for their lives. We want to shine a light on this situation to break down the issues of missing Vietnamese minors in the UK. It's a complex topic with many moving parts. We're going to try and explain how traffickers bring these vulnerable children into the country in the first place. We'll explore the victim's motivations for making the risk-laden 6,000-mile journey and what kind of work they're typically forced into. 
we'll try to understand why they so frequently end up back under the thumb of criminal gangs, even after being intercepted by UK authorities. Every one of these missing children is someone's son or daughter, and they deserve their cases to be heard. These people often just vanish right after they arrive in social services, like within the same day or the day after. And in my work, I see that all the time, and, and that's, that's really sad. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series produced by What's the Story Sounds, and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing, Human Trafficking and Modern Slavery. It's December 2019. We're on the outskirts of London on a cold, wintry day. A teenager, who we'll refer to as Boy X in order to protect his identity, is spotted running through the snow-covered streets barefoot leaving a trail of bloodied footprints in his wake. Police are quickly on the scene. An ambulance arrives too. The boy, frightened and speaking no English, is treated for his injuries. Authorities discover that he's from Vietnam, With the help of an interpreter, they learn that he's 17 years old and that for the last 10 months, he's been working against his will for a criminal gang in a cannabis farm. Today, like every day for almost a year, he'd woken up in his attic room and tended to the cannabis plants. He had been watering them and ensuring they had adequate heat from the lamps lining the attic walls and ceiling when the front door of the house was suddenly kicked in. Three gangsters came in, and the first thing they saw him downstairs, he thought that his keeper that came in to check for check on the on the plants like usual, but it, it, it was not the keeper. The intruders were a rival drug gang. And they saw the boy, so they just kicked him on the ground. So he was hurt, laying on the ground, and then these gangs just run upstairs, go to where the cannabis are. And so the boys just took the opportunity to run out of the door. Boy X is already known to the police. Checks reveal he'd been rescued from another cannabis farm a year earlier. Back then, the authorities had discovered that he was a victim of trafficking brought into the country illegally and then forced to work for a criminal gang. The last time he was rescued, he'd been put into local authority care, but went missing and ended up back in the hands of the gangs who were exploiting him. Boy X's story is not uncommon. The cycle that sees Vietnamese children trafficked into the UK for illegal labour before being picked up by police and delivered into the care system only to fall back into the hands of criminals is a seemingly endless one. Missing Vietnamese 
minors in this country has always been a massive issue. That's Dr Chung Pham, an educator and researcher and charity Locate International's resident Vietnam expert. So in the last six or seven years, um, if you look at the Home Office annual report, each year you can see Vietnamese has always been ranked as the, the second or the third largest group of asylum seekers. Um, and since the NIM was introduced in 2019, they are consistently ranked the third largest group referred to the NIM. The NRM is the National Referral Mechanism, basically a system in the Home Office that identifies victims of human trafficking and modern slavery. Their annual report identified 4,946 potential victims of modern slavery under the age of 18 in the UK in 2020, a figure which has tripled in five years. Those from Vietnam make up a third of the victims. It's also important to note that these numbers are just the ones that have been found and that tens of thousands more may remain in servitude undetected. Vietnamese also rank as the group that most likely to go missing. It means that each year, the number of those who are suspected as victim of human trafficking or modern slavery just vanish in the system and Vietnamese nationals pretty much on the top of the table. The majority of trafficked minors brought into the UK from Vietnam come from poverty. So a lot of people who come to these countries um, are from the very, very deprived areas of Vietnam. Um, you see that the number of, of, of victims, the majority of them are from the centre of Vietnam, the two provinces called Nghệ An and Ha Tinh provinces. Those are the provinces that that's, that's poverty has always been the issue and people are desperate um, looking for a way out. Traffickers target those areas specifically and actively recruit underprivileged young people with the promise of travel and the chance to earn money for their families. The majority of them are youngsters. The youngest one in the record that I have supported um, was 13 years old. So those late teens are very, very popular for these these people who come to recruit them because uh, these are the young group of workers who could do anything and it's easier, perhaps it's easier to, to manipulate them. So they sell you a very happy and comfortable life abroad where they say that the work will be allocated for you if you go. This dream of a better life comes at a cost. Not just the parents of the persons who's involved, but their siblings, their relatives are all trying to borrow money, just try to invest in just one person in hoping for some kind of change in their life to the better. Traffickers will offer families a number of different packages across a broad range of price points. From my research, the cheapest one they could go is, is around £6,000 to get all the way to the UK that they call the grass route. So the grass route is the route for, they say, peasants, the people who don't have a lot of money. But £6,000 is a huge amount of money for the people, especially from the countryside. Unsurprisingly, the cheaper routes open up the person being trafficked to greater risk. 
And with the grassroots, it's a very, very, very difficult route. It it takes them months, sometime a year or two, to get to the UK.、Uh, most of that is is、um, on land, walk on foot or on different lorries, and that route is often really, really dangerous. For those looking for swifter passage to the UK, other options are available. So the the VIP route is. Differs from the the grass route is it's the speed as well. Okay, so how long it takes you to come here? It would they often promise like within two weeks, three weeks, you would be arriving in the UK already. Sometimes faster, and、uh, often they would be flown from Hanoi or one of these city in Vietnam、um, straight into one of the European country, and from there they would be transported、uh, somehow to、uh, to UK. But they don't have to sit in the lorry and waiting for months or weeks in in the middle of nowhere. Those wishing to avail of the VIP package can be saddled with a debt of as much as thirty thousand pounds, an enormous sum of money, but the kind of figure desperate families commonly agree to when they're led to believe that their child's debt will be paid off within a year or two. And despite intelligence and lots of checks at border crossings, many trafficked children make it into the UK undetected. The success rate is quite high. The number that that being intercepted by the authorities is very, very small. In the past, the majority of them would be、um, cross the channel、um, in one of the lorries, but since after the Essex、um, incident. The Vietnamese are a bit more wary about lorries, so they prefer to to choose a different method. The Essex incident was the discovery of the bodies of thirty nine Vietnamese people in the trailer of an articulated lorry in the town of Grays, Essex, in October twenty nineteen. Devastatingly, all were dead. Twenty eight men. Eight women and three children suffocated in pitch darkness after spending more than twelve hours in the airtight trailer. The story made headlines worldwide, and the subsequent public outcry resulted in the UK government increasing the number of border force staff in Perfleet Port, where the trailer first entered the country. Since after that,、um, boats would be the, the method that that's most common to them. Very rarely would somebody come here by by airplane. Upon arrival in the UK, they will meet their keepers, members of organised criminal gangs, who will house them and put them to work. Some will end up as domestic workers, cooking, cleaning, and childminding in private homes. A small percentage end up in prostitution, but the vast majority will find themselves working in nail bars. Or like the boy in the snow, on cannabis farms, in predictably grim conditions. So a lot of time they they are locked inside the property. They don't have the freedom to go out at all. The food or essential would be dropped off for them weekly, and these are the people who also come on and check on whether whether these kids are doing their job, like watering the plants, turn on the fan, turn on the light at a certain time of the day. As they are given instruction, and if they see any plants is dying or not happy, and that's when these kids got 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 bitten up. 
um, because yeah, you're not doing a good job, you're not doing what you've been told. And yeah, their living conditions, you see some of the images that the police share in some of the cases in, in court is, is really, really difficult to watch, where they, the whole house would be converted into the cannabis farm. They have a tiny little, little kitchen, and that's where both acting as kitchen and sleeping room, where they have a mattress on the floor and a very tiny, dirty kitchen there um, where that's their whole living area and the few if they have two or three of them they all sleep there with stories like these people often ask themselves why don't they leave what's stopping them from simply running out the door like boy x did the answer is complicated First and foremost, the gangs take advantage of their victims' lack of knowledge of the extent of the criminal network and to what degree they're being surveilled. So they painted the picture that as soon as these kids open the door outside, their security guards are all standing around or there's a um, camera that's monitoring them all the time and that sort of thing. There weren't, but the workers don't know that. Far and away, the most effective tool the keepers use to keep their charges in check, however, are the victims' families. All traffic miners in the UK have taken on a debt that they've agreed to pay off and that they know their loved ones are on the hook for too. It's not uncommon for families to remortgage their homes to help pay for their child's passage to the UK. This gives the gangs an enormous amount of leverage over their workers intimidations and and threatening family back home is, is definitely one of the tactics and the trouble is they never tell you how long you wouldn't have to work for until the debt is paid as a result the victims are left trapped in this terrible limbo cut off from their families working endless physically demanding hours in cramped conditions with no real sense of when their ordeal will be over in a country where they don't know anyone and cannot speak the language Therefore, one of the most common ways a trafficked miner engaged in illegal exploitative work will find a way out is through police intervention. If they are arrested by the authorities, say for a a cannabis farm being quite down and the the police fired them, for example, they would then be handed to social services uh, rather than going to prison. This is one of the main reasons miners are used by criminal gangs for work of this nature. These young people are are given very clear instruction that once they are safe um, out of the police station, back to social services, they need to try their best to make contact with people who who kept them before. So they would send somebody to come and pick them up and that sort of thing. And that's why these people often just vanished right after they arrived in social services, like within the same day or the day after. And in my work, I see that all the time. And, and that's, that's really sad. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Research on trafficked and unaccompanied children going missing from care in the UK was published by the charity Missing People in 2018. That research called Still in Harm's Way found that Vietnamese children specifically were those at the highest risk of going missing um, after they'd been in local authority care. So uh, that was where nationality was known um, amongst all unaccompanied children, those that face the most risk. Um, and sadly, unaccompanied asylum-seeking children are also some of those most likely to stay missing long term compared to British children. That's Josie Allen, Missing People's Senior Policy and Partnerships Manager. So of unaccompanied asylum-seeking children who went missing um, from local authority care, the Vietnamese were very much the highest um, at risk of going missing. After that, we had Sudanese, Eritrean, Iraqi and Albanian and then others. The Vietnamese children were very much at the top of that list, um, those most at risk of going missing. Statistics show that 80% of children across the whole of the UK are found in 24 hours and 90% or more are found within 48 hours. Uh, for, for Vietnamese children and unaccompanied asylum-seeking children particularly, we we know that's less likely. So Vietnamese children are more likely to stay missing for longer. Um, and we think that's sometimes because they um, are being forced into exploitative situations where it's kind of easier to keep them hidden um, and harder for the police to find them. Local authorities are well aware that it's likely a trafficked minor will attempt to link back up with their keeper at the first opportunity, so they take steps to prevent that from happening. So I've heard examples of uh, kind of making sure that the that no um, male is around with the address on so that the young person's not able to share their address with a trafficker but would be able to come and pick them up. Um, I know that there is sometimes restrictions around young people accessing kind of the internet or phones um, to try and ensure that they cannot be contacted by traffickers or can't contact a trafficker because they have been coerced into doing so. The criminal gangs tell their victims that if they speak to the authorities there will be dire consequences. They often tell these minors that, that this is what happened. If you come forward, if you tell anything, the police are going to arrest you um, and you, you'll be uh, treated as a criminal. And so the very first treatment that these people, these minors would come across is a treatment from an authority, which is the police. And they feel that, yeah, that actually exactly what what's being told by their keeper. And therefore, they trust their keeper more than they trust the authorities. On top of this ingrained suspicion of authority figures, another major issue is, of course, the language barrier. Vietnamese interpreters shot it in this country is one of the things that caused the issue as well. And so you're supposed to interview a minor as soon as they arrive in the police station in order to to decide whether the victim or what to do next and hand over to social services. But sometimes this minor would be waiting there for a day or two just because they can't get an interpreter in. 
Dr. Pham knows of one case where, due to a lack of available Vietnamese interpreters, authorities had to resort to using Google Translate to try and communicate with a Vietnamese minor. And they just misunderstood each other somehow. And the kid just disappeared that same night. A year later, he was found. And we spoke to him and he told me what happened that night was that the he said that I thought the foster care were telling me that the police now is validating all the information and see if I lie to the police um, or if anything I told the police that is not truthful, they would be arresting me again and put me in prison. He said, he said that that's what I thought the conversation's about. Foster care said, no, that's, that wasn't the conversation. So, yeah, so in that process of using, using the, the machine to translate the conversation, it did not really work out well. Language barriers are a problem, but there is a bigger obstacle at play, which is that the criminal gangs have found ways of infiltrating the network of interpreters. Some of them actually are not properly vetted and they are actually part of the criminal network. Some of them have been convicted. Some have been have been have been like yeah found guilty of of collaborating with the criminal network in an effort of locating where these where these miners are home in order to point to the direction for the criminal to go and and get these people. In fact, it was through the actions of an interpreter in the employ of a criminal gang that Boy X ended up back in a cannabis farm for the second time. It emerged years later that the first time he had gone missing from local authority care, he hadn't contacted his trafficker. Instead, he had gone to the home of his interpreter, who, unbeknownst to the authorities, had secretly provided him with her address during their interview. After months spent suffering at the hands of a violent criminal gang, Boy X believed that he had finally come into contact with someone who could help him, someone whom he could trust. Little did he know that not long after arriving at her home, she would deliver him back into the hands of the very criminals he was fleeing. Criminals who had paid her to betray his trust and ensure that anyone who escaped their clutches would be promptly returned into servitude. And that is, that is a very serious and very, very big issue in the system at the moment and I have not seen much being addressed. And that's, that's the worries. And because of the lack of the interpreter working in the field, the criminal are very smart. They are a little bit ahead of the authority in that sense, and they know that. So they prepare a small number of them, emerge into the system and work in there in order to to get the information back to them. Some of them have been caught, but how many are still out there, we don't know. Once the police have secured the help of an interpreter who can speak the victim's language, they will conduct a lengthy series of interviews to try and determine if the interviewee is indeed a victim of trafficking. During this process, they will also look to find out the age of the victim, a complicated process in and of itself, as well as glean what information they can about the traffickers and keepers, a subject most interviewees are loath to discuss out of fear of reprisals. The majority of them would be offered um the care home within social services um, and then they would be sent to a college and they they can then apply for asylum um, in the UK 
so quite happy outcome for them in that sense, given that what they they've been through. But this all this also depends on the other body of the Home Office, called the NIM, the National Referral Mechanism, who will then decide whether or not it is a victim of human trafficking or modern slavery. So they have two stages of making that decision. The first stage is like, okay, uh, they have the reasonable ground to believe it is a victim. And then the second stage is the conclusive ground. So conclusive decision, that is the one that decide, yes, it is a victim or no, this is not not, not the victim. And and the ne- a negative decision of this body would affect their asylum-seeking sick, um, application um, and that sort of thing. And in that process, again, that would prompt them going missing. So any letter that coming from the authority in that sense would cause anxiety and then again cause, cause prompt these children from running away. Like I had a case from Dow South where these minors um, ran away. She was later found and I spoke to her. She said when she received that letter from the Home Office, she just, the first thing is that, let's run away. Just not sure, what's, what am I doing next? Because nobody explained to her what the letter about and what's happening next. Or very little information being given. And it caused that kind of anxiety with not knowing what's happening next. And that caused her running away. When it comes to safeguarding, police and local authority staff are fighting an uphill battle. Every step they take to help ensure the well-being of the vulnerable minors that come into their care runs the risk of making them feel criminalised and alienated. The exact mindset that will see them run back to the criminal gangs the first opportunity they get. So it's really important that we don't make them feel like we are um, sort of penalising them right from the beginning. If, if you first arrive in a country and they immediately take your fingerprints, take your photo, there's no one there to explain what's happening. That is not a sort of warm, supportive environment to arrive into. And then local authorities are very much trying to provide that. But if the trust's already been broken or if children are already even more scared than they were when they first kind of arrived, then that's going to be really difficult to build that trust and to make sure that they feel safe. Obviously, all of those things also infringe on the child's kind of freedoms and their rights and their um, ability to get in touch with safe loved ones, people that they want to get in contact with. So it's a really fine balance to not actually criminalise young people while trying to keep them safe. So that can be really difficult and we know that traffickers and organised crime groups are incredibly um, clever in how they exploit young people. Um, As I said, we've had one example of a young person who arrived with um, just a phone number memorised and they'd been told to ring it as soon as they got to a place of safety and that was it they um th- that was known um that was disclosed by the young person and they did manage to make that phone call and they went missing and um as seen in our records um we we have no record that they've been found since once a traffic child goes missing from local authority care finding them again is a tall order these cases are often really difficult because the police have very, very limited information to go on. As you can imagine, if someone um, goes missing but they've got no known contacts in the country, um, it's not known who who 
they were in touch with before they arrived, who might have helped them to um, travel, it, it doesn't leave a huge amount to go on. And that's really scary because we know these children are at massive risk of trafficking, at massive risk of modern slavery. But there can be positive outcomes to local authority intervention too. Scenarios where the victims don't return to their keepers and instead end up in long-term foster care. Boy X, for example, is still in the care system and is even attending college, now looking at a future that he could scarcely have imagined whilst endlessly watering cannabis plants. He's excelling, adapting to life in a country that at one point must have felt impossibly inhospitable. Dr. Pham is of course delighted that after the obstacles that were put in his way, Boy X has managed to land on his feet. But she knows that he's one of the lucky ones, and that in order to prevent Boy X's scenario from recurring, something needs to be done. The case has been closed. The boy is now safe, and everything is closed. For me, to, like, as an outsider, to support the network, I'm not part of the authority, I'm not part of the police, it's not always easy for me to suggest a case to be reopened. But this sort of case, if we don't reopen it, how can we protect other vulnerable um, Vietnamese minors? Because this kid gone missing in the first place because of that interpreter. He can now confess with us and nobody seemed to be interested in doing anything about it. There are a number of steps that can be taken to combat the issue of missing traffic children in the UK. Some of these involve additional resources. We think that there needs to be more information provided to children when they arrive in their own language from um, ideally young people or people who have travelled to the country in similar circumstances, whether that be by video um, or other method. So the young people actually know what's happening, they know that um, everyone's trying to keep them safe, um, they know that we can try and break those kind of coercive controls from traffickers so we can keep them safe. So that's really important. Others require bureaucratic intervention. Because of privatisation, some of the police forces are not allowed to call, like qualified interpreters, but have to go with their contractor. And their contractors don't always fulfill the contract. So they don't always have somebody there for you. And why you have the readily worked, qualified, professional interpreter network there, but you can't call because your force has been con- like signing a contract with, with, with somebody else and you're not allowed to call anybody else outside then that's, that's the massive, massive issue at the moment. Dr Pham also believes that the Vietnamese government needs to take more responsibility for the well-being of its citizens who end up trafficked into the UK. I spoke to one of the officials in Vietnam in Haiphong province. Haiphong is also one of, the provi- one of the three provinces that have the most people here in the UK. And I spoke to one of the officials who is in charge of... of human trafficking issue and he said that in the previous year when the government allocated a certain amount of fund to their province to support victims of human trafficking who's, who's now returned to the country but at the end of the financial year the fund was returned back to the central government in full because, they, because of the number of requirements that they have to tick boxes in order to 
hand out the grant, it's impossible. So there are real victims coming back, but the money or, or the fund is not allocated for them just because of the, the amount of paperwork, which is really sad. Finally, there's the crime of trafficking itself and the level of punishment doled out to offenders in the UK, an issue highlighted by a recent case. In December 2021, two men in their 20s received jail sentences of approximately three and five years respectively for their role in the trafficking of a 14-year-old boy. The teenager, originally from Vietnam, had been rescued from a cannabis farm in Bradford, where his keepers beat him with ropes and burnt him with heat lamps. He was recovering from his ordeal in foster care when he was coerced into a car by the two men who delivered him to another cannabis farm in exchange for a bag of drugs. It's likely the men will only serve half their sentences. In this particular crime, there need to be change in terms of sentencing because it does not really send out any deterrence at all. And I spoke to those people in charge as well. And I said, how do you feel? And they said, we expected a lot more than that. And the police said that not many victims were they could not really engage with many victims after after this, you know. So it's very rare that somebody would get caught because a lot of them are because of how they are intimidated by these criminals. They would not share any information. So it's, it's really rare where the police would come across cases where they could get some information out. But then again, it's, a, it's just a system that let us down. The cannabis black market in the UK is worth in excess of 2.6 billion so there will be no shortage in demand for workers like Boy X anytime soon. In fact, analysis from the annual assessment of the Modern Slavery Helpline showed that during the pandemic, a 95% increase in reports relating to modern slavery on cannabis farms were received. The issue isn't going to go away. So what can you do to help? What should you be looking out for? We've included a link in the show notes to a video produced by the National Crime Agency, which tells you how to spot signs of human trafficking and modern slavery, as well as a list of resources offering up more information and links where you can donate should you so wish. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. ...to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. 